welcome back. Junior Senior Two Views Podcast is here. It is Sunday, the 13th of August, 2023, and it's in the evening in Sydney. And let's get started. World yep. Cup recap, shall we? Wow. What a game between the Matildas and France. What a game. You missed out on the penalty shootout, but that was uh, the longest penalty shootout in any World Cup, male or female, ever. Ever. It's a record-breaking World Cup. It's also record-breaking for the Matildas. They are the first senior national Australian football team to ever make it past the quarterfinals and go the semifinals ever. Once again, male or female. Just, uh, it was a really hard-fought game. Uh, France, both teams were had some incredible chances to put it away in regulation and in extra time. But none of them went in. There was a disallowed French goal because of a foul in the box. Um, and that got called back, obviously. But just an incredible, incredible performance in the shootout. Especially by Mackenzie Arnold, uh, deservedly player of the game. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was exactly what fans would have wanted from it. It was a lot of drama. I think there were chances that the Matildas could have finished the game off before it went to extra time to nothing yeah two key uh goal chances both um both very close um both of them with mary fowler yeah both with mary fowler so and i will tell you this much i had a feeling because i didn't see the whole game but i did see that i did have a feeling that it was going to go to extra time and it did uh the shootout was was fantastic um on both sides i mean you consider the fact that the the french didn't actually roll out their their starting goalie. They had a backup goalie who was there. Well, it was goalie. a it was a move specifically yeah. for penalties. Right, exactly. So I mean, look, it was it was exactly what people wanted, and it was it was a great outcome for the Matildas. Uh, they will move on now to face England. This will be probably they always say the toughest task, the toughest team. But uh, I think you know this will be a really another really great game. I mean, England's no no stranger to the potential of this going. To penalty kick, they were in a similar situation with Nigeria. Yeah, not too far long ago. And England's no stranger to big moments as well. Yeah, uh, they ju- they're the Euro champions. Yes. So, but how do you see this game going? This is going to be a tough out. This is going to be tough. I think Sam Kerr's going to have to play from start. I don't. I, don't, I, I mean, I know that Gustafsson. That that, that that's yeah, Gustafsson. Gustafsson has you know delayed her coming in. Sort of, he, he brought her in a lot sooner last time, this time than last time, but I I don't I'm worried about I guess she had to start early. They have to start stronger. I think the Matildas have always been trying to feel things out. I think England's going to come with a lot of pressure. A lot. A the lot only earlier. the only interesting thing is I'm looking at this game. Uh, England will know how to shut down Sam Kerr because she plays for Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, a lot of her Chelsea teammates are playing for the English national team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know her from the Women's Premier League. They will know how to shut her down. But, um, like I've said, this whole tournament, even the threat of Sam Kerr is enough for teams. Sam Kerr in this in the French game, she had a couple of decent moments, but she was mostly shut down by the French defense. But as, even she came on, the threat of her was enough to open up other players for the Matildas. And it's been that way since uh even when she hasn't played at all the threat of her even on the bench lingering has been enough for teams to maybe to create contingency plans so just her on the pitch is enough 
But it's going to be a very, very tough game. England are without one of their star players, Lauren James, who had nothing short of a brain fart against Nigeria. She got frustrated with the fouls and stepped on a player, and they reviewed it and gave her a straight red card. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, Be- Beckham-esque, back in the 1998 World Cup when he kicked at a Argentinian player. Uh, not as much vitriol towards Lauren James this time, but... We'll have to wait and see for this game. It is going to be a very interesting game. Um, all I'm saying for the Matildas is they are playing with house money. No one expected them to get to the semi. Of course not. Um, but Everybody expected the United States to will, be here. They will be in the top four of a World Cup finish. Yeah. And even if they lose this game, they will have a third place game. So I think, I, I think they, they want to win it I all. Think, yeah, look, I think if, you're, if you reach this point of the World Cup... Uh, you're not thinking about second best. You're yeah. thinking about winning. You're, so, you're thinking yeah. about winning at all. Yeah, so we'll on see. The, we'll on see the other happens. side of the bracket, uh, Spain, Sweden, that's yes. going to be a very interesting yeah. one. Spain have really looked good this tournament. There is a bit of internal stuff going on with them. Uh, the they, the coaching, the, the head coach has basically lost uh, his team. Then none of them celebrated with him. He uh, It's been known from the start of the tournament that several players did not want to play under him as um as the head coach but they played anyway um sweden have been just one of the best teams in the tournament and rightfully so they're one of the best teams in the world uh their goalkeeper um Nusovic, she's a brick wall in front of net she one game she i believe it was around the 16 11 shots on target for the opposing team she made 11 saves against the united states 11 saves it's going to be a tough one for spain but we'll have to wait and see what happens. All right, let's move on. Moving on here. What's the one thing that Mets management should do or try to do to restore some faith for some fan, for the fans? All right. So, I mean, it's it's a dumpster fire now. Uh, t- losing 21-3 to the Braves yesterday didn't help. Um, it was – it's just, you know, it's a disgrace. But – I think it's. I think the one thing that the Mets could do, the management should do, look at doing, is signing Pete Alonso to a to an extended contract. They have to give him a max extension. But I think right now, I mean, I think in order to try to create spin to say, we know this season's been chucked away. We know we've done everything possible to, you know, pull everything aside. We are gonna move to the future and and and, and you know, say what you want. These are the things about Pete Alonso, and I've said it before. He's never going to hit 300. Never, 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 no. never. But he's going to hit home runs. He hits for power. He's not a bad first baseman, and he plays every single day. So you have to consider that. Now, I was speaking to Rob the Boy Monroy today, and he himself had said that reportedly there's been some real bad tension in the clubhouse, and that Pete Alonso is part of that bad tension. And is that... The Mets were uh, reportedly trying to trade him before the trade deadline. Between who? Why? What? I don't know. I there? don't know. This is what this is what Rob Warren told me. This is what he heard from a different uh, show. Uh, and it's Mike Francesa podcast. Mike Francesa is you know pretty well known New York personality. Yeah, but he but said that that that, that was my, something my, that was Mike Francesca says a lot of things. But he said that was that he's heard. This is what was the case. I don't. I don't know. Either way, you can't lose Pete Alonso, and he's in the final year's contract. And I think the Management could really screw this up by not doing anything, right? Well, they did keep and him going into next ke- season. They did keep him around uh, in arbitration this year. Yeah, but again, yeah. I could see them just not doing anything about it, waiting until the end of next year, and then losing him. 
Yeah. So that's the one thing. I don't know what you want well, to know what your one thing is outside of that, but I think that's the one thing. I think the one thing for them right now is uh, maybe giving uh, Mauricio a chance. Because well, that's, well, that's season, what everybody's been saying. The what season, the hell? The season, Why not? The season is lost. Well, they brought everybody else up. They got Vientos. They got this other. They got Beatty up. Uh, Alvarez up. They got this other guy. Aruiz. 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 This other guy who's the infielder up. They have these no names coming on the coming on the roster. I agree. Bring up Robbie Mauricio. Let's see what he's got because really they brought they pushed Beatty back down. Yeah. So I don't understand what's going on. You I, don't, you know. I don't mind the Beatty thing because uh, he... He was struggling. Yeah, he was struggling. He does need some time in his own right. He was a raw prospect coming up anyway from Syracuse. So I don't mind them sending him back down to AAA. Uh, give him some time. I think he'll be our everyday third baseman very, very soon. Um, Vientos, I could see going back down to AAA as well. Uh, Alvarez is the guy that is going to stay up for this team. He's going to be our catcher for the next decade. Yeah. Um, but I think bringing up Mauricio has to be the move because you have to see what you have in him. He's he's a natural shortstop, but you got to teach him uh, some other positions because he's not going to challenge for shortstop. Yeah, and he, and he, has, he doesn't have the greatest defense at shortstop anyway. Yeah. Or you give, him, you give him runs at DH, maybe, because I don't know. Um, I think that's maybe the one thing – some other things I could see, maybe, um, maybe uh, uh, marketing some of the prospects a bit more, like the guys who aren't ready yet. Maybe Luis Angel Acuna has already said, "I want to come up soon," so that's encouraging. Maybe marketing, doing a bit more marketing around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it's a dumpster fire this year. The season is lost. It's going to be a slow, wet fart trudge to the finish. But yes. yeah. Okay. That's about it with these these Mets. All right. Uh, your next next question to me or to you. <laughs> yeah, boy. Should Jake Paul be taken seriously after beating Nate, Nick Diaz? Why? Like, why are these sideshow fights happening? But the one time Jake Paul actually fought a boxer, Tommy Fury, he lost. He lost. Who cares? He 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 beat he beat Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz doesn't box. He's an MMA fighter. And Nate Diaz was working him in this fight. And Jake Paul barely got by. So I don't want to hear it from Jake Paul's truthers. Because believe it or not, there are some of them online. I I don't want to hear it. He has not fought a real boxer outside of Tommy Fury. If you're really about it, fight a real boxer. Fight a real boxer. If you're really about it. Because I'm done with these sideshow fights. I'm done with... Uh, him. Uh, look, I'm not. I, I am a fan of the influencer boxing scene. I like it. It's it's fun. It's enjoyable. <laughs> what KSI is doing with misfit, misfits on DAZN. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of those influ, influencer boxing fights. I like it. Influencer, influenza, but, influenza. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But influencer boxing fights. I'm I'm a fan of that because it's cool. It promotes the sport and it's doing a whole lot better than what boxing did in the past five years until now when they finally got uh, Bud Crawford and um, Spence to uh, and Terrence to finally fight and the big fights happening this year. But still, boxing is a bit of a dump a dumpster fire as a whole. And those influencers are actually promoting the sport. But Jake Paul has been doing these sideshow uh, fights 
to boost his record on SureDog, and no one, I don't care. There are people that care. I don't. Fight another real boxer and try and win against another real boxer if you're about it. That's that's all it is to me. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you on that one. I don't, I don't look. I don't watch. I don't know either. Paul, you give me Jake or Logan. I don't I don't know either one of them. I do know that you're right. He, you know, the fight was against you know Nate Diaz, who's a mixed martial art artist. And yes, boxing I'm sure is part of the discipline that he'd be training under. But you know, obviously, it tells me that Jake Paul's had. He's look. It look. I'm taking nothing away from the fact that he got himself physically ready and oh, yeah. trained. I'm not. Let me let me make that clear. I'm not taking anything away from oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. The training, the getting his body right, being able to get professional assistance to train with for boxers. So that's what I'm. That's I'm. I'm in agreement with you on the fact that the next fight should be against an up and coming boxer, not a wash boxer, but someone who boxes. Or and let's time, see how that look, works. Look, I get the fact that. He's putting himself in harm's way against a guy like Nate Diaz. I get that. That's 100% respectable that he's going in the ring and facing a guy who can who can legit kill you. Right, but, he's also, but he's also not going to take Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz at his discipline because he would get trashed. Yeah, Nate Diaz, during the fight, put him yeah, in, a, in a choke. Yeah, yeah, he did. Put him in a yeah, choke hold. That's because that was just muscle memory yeah, as far as I can That was see muscle it. memory for Nate Diaz because he, he does uh, BJJ. He does that. I I just so, I think that you know I I don't know. I mean it's it's almost like you know it's that kind of mentality. I, I I kind of think of Floyd Mayweather Jr. who would be fighting these guys who aren't who are washed. You know he's got so much money and so much time to do this sort of thing. I, I well I, well Floyd is just putting on exhibition. He's just doing exhibition for, for a check. Yeah, he it. doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's he's done everything. Yeah. He, he's just showing up for checks. Yeah. So. But boxing is a bit is they put on the big fights this year. I mean, Bud Crawford got the win against uh, against Terrence. Uh, you had uh, you had uh, who was it? Uh, Ryan Garcia. He lost to he lost I, he lost this year in that big fight. Um, we had Haney Loma earlier this year as well. Look, they are putting on big fights, but like boxing is just a bit of a dumpster fire right now because. You aren't putting it together the fights that need to be made. Usyk and and uh, Tyson Fury still hasn't happened. Still has not happened. So we don't know what's going on with boxing. It's a bit of a washed sport right now. And anyone who uh, poo-poos influencer boxing, open your eyes to the rest of the sport. Moving on. Okay, next one for you, Jimmy. All right, next one. Did it make sense that Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown was reportedly stood down by ownership? No. I mean, and, and I don't have enough information on this, but, you know, reportedly the comment was, the comments he made was that the Orioles, you know, struggle against the Astros, which... No, it was a race. It was a race. Sorry, about. you're right. It's a race. My, my It was a race he was talking about. It was a race. And in particular, at Tropicana. Right. And so, you know, that statement obviously caught the ire of... The ownership of, of the Angelos family, which, which is a, which is a name that you wouldn't even have heard until the mid to late nineties, when the Orioles were you know going to the playoffs and losing, but getting a lot of free agents to play and so on, uh, and obviously he was stood down. I mean, I I just think it's to even consider the fact that you're being censored 
for stating the obvious is just mind-boggling that that would be something that ownership would see as a bad thing. You're a young team, and let's face it, the Orioles are a surprise. No one expected to see the Orioles here at that point, at this point in the season at all, let alone first place, let alone in the toughest division of baseball. But, it's, you know, please call out the obvious. They've had, they, they had, pro- had, I will emphasize, had problems with, with the Rays because they were able to beat the Rays when they went there. So let's not take anything away from that. But I think it's just, it's just overcorrection gone mad. It's the, it's the most ridiculous suspension I have ever seen. I've ever seen. It's so, so silly and such, such, such an overreach of power by um, uh, Peter Angelos' son, who's apparently taking day-to-day operations right now while Peter steps away from the team. Uh, just, it's just inherited. It's, yeah, it's him. such a, it's Good such a, it's such an overreach of power. It's so stupid and it's, it's so unnecessary. Silly. The team is doing well. Don't create this bad is publicity. Ba- this is bad PR. Don't create bad PR. You don't need that. Yeah, and I, I watched the clip. All he said was uh, the. All he said was that the team had, was doing better this year at against the Rays at Tropicana than they had been uh, combined the past two seasons. Is that so wrong? That's kind of obvious. Considering the their records were, were horrible. The, the Orioles were garbage in twenty twenty <laughs> in twenty twenty one. Garbage. So really, I it was such an overreach of power. And I'm so glad that other announcers have been calling uh, it for what it is. And it's a crock. That's what it is. So, yeah. I mean, it just creates the specter that, you know, as an, as as announcers, it's not even something that was like a soapbox item. It was just stating the obvious. The program director approved it. The it's program, stating the obvious. The program director approved it to be said. Oh, my God. It doesn't go on air unless it's approved. Yeah, it was I, approved. I just think that there was nothing wrong with it. I just think this is a situation where the last thing that you need when you have your team was, in first place that was not needed at all. None. to get you know really picky and, yeah. and pedantic over what really was said. just really really silly and really petty as well. All right. Moving on. All right. Uh, was it strategic for Connor McDavid's agent to be hired by the Oilers? Well, it all depends on when McDavid's record-setting contract ends. Because uh, right now he's still one of the highest paid players in the NHL. Um, the Oilers are a team that is slammed up against the cap wall and are consistently in the spot of relying on McDavid, Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and maybe Darnell Nurse. And the rest of their depth fails to show up in the postseason when it matters. Evander Kane was terrible in the playoffs. He was awful in these past playoffs. He was not good. Um, But the rest of their team does not show up when it matters. Dreisaitl is a superstar. You have two. It's basically Otani and uh, Trout all over again. But at least they're making the playoffs. But it's... It's just a weirdly built team that has consistently always been a weirdly built team since uh, since they got McDavid to begin with. Like, they have thrown money at needless contracts, which has put them in cap hell. And all of these, yeah, you had to pay guys like Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid their due because they deserve it. And Dreisaitl's probably, Dreisaitl's on $8 million a year. He's probably going to get, like, twelve. On his next contract. That's how good he is. But um, they're a weirdly built team. 
And uh, for my money, the cap is probably not going to go up because at, per NHL rules in the CBA, uh, the salary cap goes up or down depending on league revenue year to year uh, or stays at the same rate depending on year to year. Um, most likely, I don't think the cap will be going up because of the stuff surrounding some of the um, regional sports networks going bust, and which is what the NHL relies on. And for the for teams like the Oilers who were slammed up against the cap wall, that's kind of a that doesn't bode well. But maybe it's strategic to get McDavid uh, to sign on the dotted line. Maybe it isn't. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I would say that this was looking looking past the end of the contract and kind of a good faith gesture if you will to McDavid say you know we know who you are um this franchise needs you and needs you to be the face and needs that and needs to get to that next step now if that's going to take other players you know we'll see what happens this upcoming season and Edmonton have always been you know hyped and been told they're the ones in the west to be represented and then it they come up short so now I think the idea to bring his agent on board and be interwoven into the into the sort of works of the Oilers, this is a move that says, you know, we want you here. You're the face of the franchise. We want, you know, we want this to happen. We want there to be not one, not two, not three, but, you know, several Stanley Cups down the line. I of mean, course, you know, yeah. And McDavid's entering the prime now. He's 27, 28 yeah. years old. You know, you, you want to start looking at that as this is this is our good faith to you. We want... You to be, you know, your agent is still your agent, yet he's part of the team. Let's move forward together. This yeah. is, this was this was all about strategy and all about looking towards the end of the contract and getting him into a new one. Of course, it was. Next, moving on. Uh, who are some of the NFL teams under the most pressure this upcoming season? Okay, so I'm going to give you a few, and I'll give you a reason why. Um, I only have a I have a few. I'll start with the Ravens. I think the Ravens are under the microscope. Oh, definitely. Clearly, uh, Lamar signed a huge contract. He got everything he wanted. He and his mama finally worked together. He didn't need an agent. Had his mama in there. And they were talking about contract, and he got what he wanted. They got Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Did they get Odell Beckham Jr., who was part of Super Bowl winning Rams, or did they get Odell Beckham Jr., who gets injured and won't play? Yeah. Um... But now you have all the pieces. You have a new coordinator. You made enough noise about Greg Robin. He's out. So they're under most pressure. Lamar Jackson only has one playoff win, and he has to stay on the field. So that's the Ravens. That's my first team. Well, That's the first team. Hang on. I got more. I got more. The second team's the Vikings. Because the Vikings, they're in a gettable division. You know, they're really closest. Their closest, really closest competition may be the Detroit Lions, who are on my list as well. Mm -hmm. Um. Kirk Cousins, he kind of. I think this is kind of make or break. If they don't get past a playoff game and move further, they might move on. I, I think they, they they have a chance to move on with that. Not to mention Justin Jefferson is uh, going to be demanding a lot of money very yeah. soon. Okay. Uh, the next team is the Jets. Has to be the Jets. Oh God, definitely. It has to be the Jets, and I don't even care about the Jets because I don't like the Jets. But they're sharing a building with the Giants, and you know we know what they've they got. They got Aaron Rodgers, and they got arguably you know one other player other than him right now who won a Super Bowl is Russell Wilson. 
move move away from Mahomes. Some other quarterbacks who are currently active who've won a Super Bowl. So they have to, and they have to win at least the first four or five games of the first six games because they have the toughest schedule. Well, so they have to win. A, they have to win the division and win a playoff game to even make it make it worth something. Their season uh, and, was, key, and for Salah to keep his job. Their, their season was derailed by injuries and well, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, so um, this is going to be a big test for the Jets. I'm gonna agree. Uh, I got more. Yep. All right, so you I got, got another, more. You got. One I got another more? one. I got one more. Cleveland Browns. Just oh. because it's Kevin Stefanski year four. You know, year one they got him he got him to the playoffs. So after that stunk. Last two seasons it stunk. Deshaun Watson's gonna be playing from the start of the season. Uh yeah, he got inserted in game eleven. It wasn't gonna be a really good 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 watch. It wasn't. So the pressure's on Cleveland to be better. Yeah. Now those are my teams. I'm sure there's more. But there'll uh, be more. One of them for me is the Buffalo Bills. Uh you've made it pack. You have not made it past the divisional round since 2021. Uh, both times, this last season was meant to be your time. Uh, and nothing has happened out of that. Uh, and it's going to be a big test for a lot of the coaching staff. I'm not talking about McDermott. I'm talking about the coordinators because it seems they were a bit disjointed. Uh the the Bills have a couple of problems that they tried to patch up in the draft and in free agency. We'll see if it works. They missed Von Miller on the defensive line. Um, so the Bills definitely have a lot of pressure on them. Uh, I don't necessarily agree that Detroit has a ton of pressure on them. Really? Uh, yeah. I think so. I don't agree. I think, I, so. I think Detroit is in a year where it has – they have a lot of optimism. Uh, I do, it's a wait-and-see year for Detroit. I believe. Uh, I don't think they're trying. They're definitely trying to compete. They're definitely going to try and compete for a playoff spot and maybe the division. But I don't see uh, this being a year where the Detroit Lions are. They're definitely not considering themselves Super Bowl contenders. No, of course um, not. But they're in a division where the arguably you're the best quarterback that helped the better team is gone. Yeah, We don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay now that Aaron Rodgers moved on. So that opens the door for a team like Detroit that won eight in a row toward the end of the season. Yeah. They started off stink, and they actually turned it around. They almost made the playoffs. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of pressure now to say, all right, Jared Goff, maybe this deal with Stafford worked out. You know, they did the trade. Maybe this is maybe well, this is where he belongs. Goff is in a well-coached system, but they're going to – they have a lot of guys who may have to develop for it to work out. Obviously, Panay Sewell is developing as expected for Detroit. He's a beast of an offensive lineman. He's keeping Goff clean. Um, and he's keeping that running game clean. And speaking of the running game, Jameer Gibbs at 12 in the draft is was a, seen as a bit of a reach. But I think Jameer Gibbs will be good for them behind that offensive line. Um, and they've built a really good offensive line outside of Sewell. you got Decker on the right. You've also got Frank Ragnow in the center. They've got a really good offensive line, um, but I don't think they have a ton of pressure on them. Uh, they're certainly it's a it's a game by game thing. I'm taking with the, at least I'm taking with Detroit this year. All right, who's next? Moving on. That's you, it. That's you. So what teams you have? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, is Eric Bieniemy's intensity too much for Commanders players? I necessarily think so. I think he's trying to do the right thing and instill a new culture. I think he's doing the right thing 
on this Washington franchise who's been uh, downtrodden for over two decades. So I think he's doing the right thing, and I think he might be the right coach for them since Joe Gibbs. Since Joe Gibbs's um, uh, uh, return to Washington. I'm not sure. Joe, Joe Gibbs did coach well for Washington when he returned. He did coach well for them. Um, but I think with Biennemi, we know he can be intense. We saw it uh, in Kansas City. He was. He, there were rumors of him being adversarial with his players. Um, whether he will be an effective head coach. Um, no, he's not the head coach. You're getting confused. Oh, he's, he's an offensive Rivera is a head coach. He's the offensive coordinator. No, Rivera got fired. What? I'm pretty, did he not? Ron Rivera did not get fired. Oh, wow, he didn't? Where have you been? Oh, okay. wow, sorry, folks. He's been in a fog for the last couple of years. I thought, I, I no, was, I thought he's Rivera. not been fired. Okay. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator at Washington. Okay. The commanders, the okay. Okay, moving on. I thought Rivera got fired after Okay, so now you have to change the perspective. He's not the okay, coach. But Bienini, uh coming in as a new offensive coordinator, he's trying to change the culture of that offense. Um, but I think he's doing the right thing by them because their offense sucks and their franchise sucks. Okay. I think he's doing the right thing. And I, Look, it it's always a situation where new offensive coordinators come in and it's a bit of a culture shock for talent. It, this is nothing new. Um, will be enemy be a bit more uh, intense, maybe? But yeah, moving on. Um, hold on, I just want to put my take on this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's you. So, I yeah, I'm, it's probably the whole culture of it all. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's a winning cult. It was a winning culture in Kansas City. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether Biennemi's bombed interviews, whether something's happened because we're not the fly on the wall to see what what happened, why. The head coaching opportunities didn't happen. I would obviously ascertain that the opportunity to leave under the shadow of Andy Reid, who, who, I mean, by all accounts, isn't going to retire anytime soon, uh, was more of a you know motivational tactic to get out of there and go into a situation with a young quarterback, Sam Howell, who's going to have his growing pains. And with a defensive-oriented coach like Ron Rivera, you have an offensive guy who hopefully can steer the ship and make things better and also i would say build up his resume you know mm-hmm. i mean like you know i mean yeah i mean when you're it's one thing when you're offensive coordinator to andy reed who's one of the best offensive minds in the league but to move on to a different situation like washington which is in a definite rebuild of its character etc and to be able to now move into that situation and hopefully get some success from it, yeah. that would maybe give him a chance to get his foot in the door to a potential head coaching gig down the line. We don't know who the hot seats are, but there will be hot seats in the next year, season or so. There always is. Yeah. So hopefully that will happen for him. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, a couple of things before we wrap up our show. Um, happy birthday, John Starks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. We know. Great Nick from the 90s, the, the guy who shot 0 for, 0 for 13 or 0 for 10 in the Game 7 1994 Finals. Happy birthday to you. Yep. Enough said that. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers retired Fernando Valenzuela's number 34, long overdue. Yep. Of course, Fernando Mania was in the 80s where the Dodgers um, were very successful, and he was a very successful left-handed pitcher, and they finally retired that. Um, and congratulations to Dwayne Wade and the other NBA Hall of Fame 
uh, recipients, Dwayne Wade being one of them, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you had Tony Parker, Greg Popovich, and Becky Hammond, yep. Paul Gasol. So those are a few of the um, recipients, well-deserved class yep. of 2023 uh, yep. NBA Hall of Fame. And yep. that's it for our show. That's it for our show. If you come from any other platform, welcome. Welcome. We do this thing once a week. Mm-hmm. Next week, we will definitely have confirmation on who's won the World Cup. And this news just came in. Sorry. Uh, the Sixers have broken off talks with James Harden. Because no one wants him. Just to, just to remind you, nobody wants James Harden. Keep your heads in the sand, please. It's beautiful comedy, Sixers. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.